Welcome to Design Gossip. I'm Mike. Welcome. I'm Daniel. And on this one, we interview Johanna Jaskowska, who designs custom face filters for Instagram. But first, as every week, we're just going to discuss a couple highlights that intrigue us. Okay, I'll go first. I discovered first. this YouTube channel called Baumgartner Fine Art Restoration, which is a family company. They're in the second generation right now. And what this guy does is he restores old paintings that were in the archives for like, you know, 50, 100 years. And mm -hmm. it's the most OCD friend, uh, friendly video that you'll ever see. Okay, nice. <laughs> it is just so satisfying because, you know, when you go to a museum, like some old paintings have this very dark look. Mm -hmm. I thought that like that was the style back then. But then you see this guy like take paintings like that and um, and restore it, and they go back to their original vibrant detail. And I don't know, it's shocking. Hmm. Hmm. So wow, you're gonna have to check this out. And um, yeah. and the best part is he has two versions of each video, and one is narrated where he talks about what he does, right? And the yeah. second one is just ASMR version, so it's just sounds of restoring the paintings. Just sounds, just like brush strokes and yeah. stuff like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> and everything wow. is like you know, like super HD, very well lit, and um, and he has this like very um, kind but bussy attitude, where he was talking uh -huh. about you know like I use um, screws instead of uh, staples to you know fix the painting, and some people will argue with that, but this is my studio, so I don't care. You know, like, this is so good. <laughs> this guy is such a boss. That's amazing. So, uh, did you did you find anything cool this week? Yes, I did. I did. Um, a friend of mine sent me a, a video of something called Oculus Medium, okay. uh, which is a um, augmented reality modeling tool. Now, I, I heard about this uh, already some time ago, but um, this is the the first time that I I saw some like I saw someone using it. And it just looked so intuitive. Wow. Um, Is this uh, with the Facebook Oculus, right? Are they I, making it? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, actually. Okay. And how does it and, work? Uh, so, so basically, you have um, two controllers in your hands, sort of like a Wii. Yeah. And, um, and each controller has uh, separate functions, right? Mm -hmm. And you can actually use s sort of brushes to model in three-dimensional space. So the, the video I, I saw was, um, was someone who was modeling a character. And, um, and he could use the, these controllers as sort of pens, right? Okay. And he could create incisions into the character's face to create, um, uh, to create wrinkles. And depending on what uh, command you assign the controller, you can, uh, you can create uh, cavities in the surface and then he could also blur the cavities to sort of uh soften the edges wow it was so cool it just looked it just looked so like some the way that 3d modeling should be not like wow typing in commands it was just so direct um, so anyone um has one for for testing Hit us up. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because uh, yesterday um, I tried the Oculus Rift for the first time. 
like yeah. the VR headset. And, um, and, you know, I've tried like the Google Cardboard thing before for VR. And it really yes. didn't hit me that well because with the Oculus Rift, like it's so higher quality than I expected. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you really do feel like you're in, inside that space. Yes. It's mind-boggling. And I got to play this game called, I think, Robo Recall. And like, I'm not a game person. I never play games. And in this one, it's like a Terminator-style thing where robots have, uh, you know, they're trying to take over the world and, like, you have these guns and you're killing them on the street and it's just... I felt like I was living it. It was insane. It's, yeah. I don't know how to describe it. It's like you feel like you're there and then the quality is just so much better and, like, I don't know how to say it, like, the controllers they have, they can actually distinguish between when you use your thumbs, your index finger, or the other fingers somehow mm-hmm. and so that way when you look look at your hand while you're wearing the headset it's just so realistic uh-huh. and you can like i don't know it was way more precise than i expected like i could read little writings on the gun and stuff like that and i was just blown away by that um, yes. so yeah before i thought that the you know vr or ar 3d molding stuff was going to be a uh, like just uh, a fad a gimmick, yeah. Yeah, but but turns out they really do have an incredible amount of potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I I don't know if when you tried the um, the Oculus Rift, did you feel dizzy after you took it off? Um, you know what? I didn't feel dizzy, but I felt tired. Hmm. And I feel like it was because it really does feel like you just teleported to like another dimension. And yes. they, they built these amazing animations where when you're in the menu, you're in just like this matrix style white space all around. And there's like a grid around you. And okay. when you, you know, if you like press a button, like a room just, you know, happens around you is how I would describe it. Like it's yeah. just animates in and then you're suddenly like next to a fireplace sitting on a sofa. And I'm like, this is just so real. Like I never thought I would... I don't know. I didn't think we'd get this far, this fast. You were in in Janet's void at first. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I was in Janet's void, and then I literally went to the good place, and I was like, this is just so good. And the sound quality is really good, and they figured out how to make, like, the surround sound work. So when you're playing a game, like, when there's a robot behind you, and yes, that's a thing, and it's, like, terrifying, um, like, you you hear it, and then you turn around, and then you just kill it. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel like we're going to have to learn how to design in 3D space because it's significantly different than what we're doing right now, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. without further ado, let's, um, let's move on to the interview with Johanna. And one thing that uh, I'd like to mention is when we recorded this um, podcast, you're going to hear us mentioning some follower counts because what ended up happening is that when we uh, started speaking about the podcast with Johanna, she only had a thousand followers on Instagram. And, um, you know, we had some delays and uh, the interview was postponed. And within another couple of days, she went to 3000 and she was very excited about that uh, when we were recording the interview. But then by the time you're recording this intro now, which is just less than a week later, she has more than 100,000 followers. I think that's definitely thanks to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. But I mean, um, yeah, I'm just extremely happy for her. Her filters are amazing. 
and um, you're gonna hear us discuss um, her process, um, the programs she uses, and we get into quite a bit of detail. But I feel like the the thing to keep in mind is that um, you know her filters, I think, are the only cool filters on Instagram right now. They're not gimmicky. They're not you know for kids, and that's why I feel like she got this viral um, fame immediately simply because all the uh, influencers were inclined to use it because it just wasn't the puppy filter and it was a proper cool thing that they could experiment with i agree i completely agree i mean um instagram until now has been doing filters that are very um exactly they're, they're more just for for toying around kind of creating creating a conversation um while you're talking with someone you know like um it, they're the same f- filters that uh, facebook has on messenger yeah so i think that that's where the instagram filters sort of maybe mm, got inspired by uh, uh-huh. but but this is really yeah this is really new it's fresh it's very destructive and 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 almost kind of dark actually i, I kind of like the the dark um vibe that the filters have yeah yeah i mean she didn't um have time to i think get into it on the uh well at the time of recording but when we were speaking with her beforehand uh, she told me that she was inspired quite heavily from uh, ghost in the shell and blade runner and uh, motion pictures like that yeah hmm. yeah i it, it really it's it is exactly that vibe Sort of like the the geisha robots, you know, with the <laughs> with the empty eyes and just this like porcelain face. Yeah. It's really nice. Now uh, you see it. I, I I yeah I see it exactly. How did you end up yeah. designing filters for Instagram? For Instagram? So, um, I'm a digital creative and I'm working for an advertisement agency called Anthony. And uh, okay. for um, a project, we suggested an idea with augmented reality and uh, especially augmented reality and face filter for Facebook and Instagram. Um, so to explain okay. the concept and sell the idea, I had to put my hand on a software called Spark AR Studio, which is the software uh, developed by the engineers at Facebook. And uh, it makes right. you able to build augmented reality experiences and uh, for the Facebook camera and the Facebook, uh, the Instagram camera. Uh, so I just started to put my hand on it and explain experiment some stuff to explain the idea to the client and uh, I had to upload one uh, filter to to just like understand the process from creating the filter to the publishing and it took like just two days and uh, wow yeah yeah That's it's very really nice. fast really easy a really nice platform Facebook is doing a great job there is a, a Facebook group um, called Spark AR Studio Creator or something 
and uh, everybody's everybody all the developers and the creative that like start to experiment with AR are on this famous Facebook group and everybody's start to asking questions or report bugs and everybody's really active on it it's really important because the community makes the software is getting uh better developed for everybody everybody uh -huh. suggests idea or ask question about how to make this and that etc etc so it's really cool well let me ask you because so Facebook just opened up the, the filter design to third-party creators, which is the category you fall into, uh, right? Yeah, so basically, at the beginning, it was just Facebook. And I started to make... So for that client, uh, I just like randomly uploaded a, a Facebook filter. And then I realized that people liked it. So I made more. And I started to be involved in uh -huh. the community. And yeah, oh, I amazing. also made... Um, I participated to a hackathon uh, in Berlin uh, at Facebook, and this hackathon was about augmented reality filters. So yeah, and uh, during that hackathon, my team won the first prize. So I don't know, it was really interesting also, like a really interesting experience uh, to do this hackathon about augmented reality. And somehow, um, I started to know some engineers at Facebook and they applied, they, they opened um, an application form to apply for the beta version for Instagram. And uh, everybody could apply and they selected some accounts that could be able to upload Instagram filters on Instagram. So for now, it's still the, yeah. the test kind of phase where only few developers and creative can upload like um, augmented reality filter on Instagram and stop. And this is when your Instagram exploded, Yeah, right? this is when my Instagram exploded because I started to upload on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone is talking about it. And uh, I think when I first uh, started, you know, uh, following you, you had what, like a thousand yeah, followers? Yeah, something like this, a bit less. And now it's like three yeah, times exactly. that in in what, yeah. two weeks? That's amazing. That's super, super cool. And uh, did you get any feedback from the guys at Instagram or Facebook? Uh, are they Oh, yeah, it? they love it. So every time I'm like preparing a filter, I'm, I'm posting it on the community. And uh, usually we can see from the reaction from the community that they like it pretty much. And then when it's getting approved, then... Um, then uh, I don't know, people like it. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I know why. It's, it's pretty <laughs> glossy and disruptive. Everything, I'm really interested about like the society today and uh, the beauty aspect. I really like fashion. And today everything is about like promoting yourself. And on social media, especially, it's about like being beautiful and uh, you can see it on YouTube also, like the, the best YouTuber are the beauty YouTuber, um, etc. Yeah. So there is like a, a big topic around it. But I like also to to add a touch of weirdness into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually wanted to say like before, you know, you designed any filters, yeah. right? Like everything was very kitsch if that's the right word. Like you have the dogs and the sunglasses and it's kind of boring, yeah. right? I mean, 
it's for another audience, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like your filter is kind of took that concept of a face filter from something that the 13-year-olds or the middle-aged people play with to something the um, the more 20 to 30-year-olds actually use and yeah. enjoy. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I have a different approach. I see uh, um, augmented reality and Spark AR Studio as a tool to create um, something else. I don't see... Uh, Spark AR Studio as a tool to create f filters that's gonna make you be able to have a, a Christmas uh, tree or like sunglasses <laughs> or whatever funny bullshit can be. <laughs> I see it like more as a, a tool to experiment new things and yeah this is what I always do anyway. I always try to dig into what are the new possibilities and how we can like use something in a different way to make something new. Wow. That's super, super cool. <laughs> and uh, could you give me like just a little bit of detail because I'm very curious about this. I've, uh, I studied product design mm -hmm. and, you know, I played around with the 3d software and, and rendering a little bit and I absolutely have no idea how this works. So, yeah. <laughs> So do you get like a face model where you experiment with different materials and lighting and you animate them like, yeah. this, you know? Yeah, what? exactly. It works. It works like, so there's like 3D software that are made for rendering. So it's really heavy. Um, the material is like, for example, Cinema 4D. It's much more complex. You can go much more deeper into the, the material and the, the shapes and the the how it's called, um, the forms of the 3D, the, 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 oh, the forms, complexities yeah. is much more uh, developed rather than like uh, Spark AR Studio is, is made for real-time rendering. So when you think about a filter or when you work on the augmented reality experience, you have to think that it has to be simple uh, in, in the application yeah. and in the, the process of making it. So every 3D asset you're going to import, for example, has to be um, low, poly, po low polygons. Um, but they have inside of this, they have uh, like few shaders. So the shaders are developing every day, of course, but uh, they're getting better and better. And um, you have like physical shaders, you have like face paint, paint shaders you have uh, a standard shaders so the wow. for example the physical shaders is a bit more complex and you will be able to use it only if your phone is capable of uh, if you have a phone which is like uh, iphone wow. 5 for example it's not going to be able to to render it but the standard shader yeah so there is a balance between what you can do for which user or which dish which devices and um, yeah, there is, so this is one thing, this is about the material and the shaders. And there is another topic, which is about uh, the, all the tracking part. Actually, there's three topic. Uh -huh. There is the, so the shaders and the materials, there is the um, tracking part, and there is also the visual programmation. The 
the tracking part is, uh, for example, this function that you will be able to track a plane and put a 3D object. And through your camera, you would be able to see, uh, to see it in your real environment. Uh, or there is, there is also the face tracker, okay. which is like uh, the thing that tracking your face and that can place a mesh on your face. That's what I'm working with. And, uh, and on top of that, there is this uh -huh. um, visual programmation, programmation um, part, which is, uh, it's called the patch editor. So you, 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 you'll be able to connect uh, some parameters together to build more interactive stuff. For example, if you open your mouth, then uh, some sparkers appear. Or if you raise your eyebrows, then uh, you trigger an animation and so on. There is like many, many different possibilities. But uh, it's a small tool, really, really well developed. There are so many possibilities. I don't know if you know a bit about like real-time rendering wow. uh, software, like uh, Unity 3D or Real Engine. Okay. <laughs> I'm very novice. So right let's there. say it's this software is most more close to um, a game development de development software, but in a really really reduced way and in a really really minimalistic way. That's how I see it. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because I, I always questioned like I know how long it takes for us to render stuff. And I was always amazed by yeah. how games render stuff in real time. So I guess it's the, like you said, it's the difference in complexity. And actually, I think you made a really good point, which I kind of want to um, get a bit deeper there. When you said, you know, some of the things don't work, let's say on an iPhone 5, yes. as, as well as they would on an iPhone 10, right? Um, but the interesting thing is, Right now, the experience in Instagram or all the other apps, I can pick up an iPhone 5 it's or an same. iPhone 10s, and it's the same. Like, even though I have all this technology, right? I have the true depth camera or the face ID scanner 3D thing. It's just I don't feel any different or the, the filters are not any better. Mm, Why I do think, you think the that engineers is? at Facebook are doing a really great job. <laughs> 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 so so it's not that uh, they're not you know making the best filters but it's that they're so good that they make the best yeah. filters work <laughs> on the worst phone i mean if it if if the last feature, wow, the, the beauty 3000 is working on the iphone x uh, iphone 5 i'm really surprised because i'm using i mean it's still really simple you know i'm i'm just i'm just uh -huh. Placing a face mesh on the on the on the face tracker, and I'm applying some lights on the space. That's why you can see the lights uh, reflecting on the on the face, and to get this like yeah like uh, Vaseline kind of texture on the material, I'm just like working and playing with the materials to try to get closer as the thing I want. So there is no, wow. no real complexity. There is no, I don't put any 3D models 
inside of the filter. So maybe that's why it's really simple and there is not so much, so much complexity. If, um, uh-huh. if you, if you want to, uh, publish a filter on Instagram or Facebook, the filter itself, uh, exported has to be less than two MO, which is nothing. Yeah. Wow. And if, That's yeah, with everything. with everything, but if you think about it, a face mesh is, is not so heavy. Um, and lights uh-huh. is just a programmation digital light on the space. So there is no meshes. It's not heavy as well. So at the end is just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. And is there any coding involved uh, in this process? Not in my process. Uh, there is a bit of visual programmation because uh, you, can, cool. you can tap. So there is few lights uh, on the space and uh, they are rotating. So there is, there is a... Yes, yeah, I was wondering so about like that. Exactly. few nodes yeah. uh, connected together that says... Uh, uh, this light uh, rotates uh, uh, with this speed. And there is another uh, schematics that says, if you tap the screen, it rotates faster. That's it. Yeah. It's not really... Wow, that's super simple yeah, stuff. It's... But requires a little bit of know-how from an engineer. Just a say. bit. You can find... It's <laughs> just a bit. Okay. You can even ask a friend... I'm working, uh, so where I'm working, I'm working with a um, creative technologist. I'm a, so we're working on team, uh, the digital creative and the, digital, uh-huh. uh, the, the creative technologist. And us together, we can do everything. We kind of understand our language. So if I want to understand how I can do this, I can ask him and he show me. And then, ah, oh, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Wow, this is this is super cool. Um, okay, I'm not gonna you know go more deep into the Instagram thing because then it's gonna take yeah. us like five hours. Um, but this is super super cool stuff. Uh, I wanna you know I have some questions about mm-hmm. you in general. Um, so you know on your website you say that you're a graphics and motion oh, designer. My website is and... not up to date. I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, what your website is yeah, very yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very cool. It's... Yeah, just uh, so I was more a graphic designer and motion designer before. Uh, my website is two years old now. I have to update it. I know. I have to do it soon. Okay. And so, yeah, my question was that what you're doing right now, is it interaction design? Yeah. Um, You'd say? It's a part of my work. Interaction design is a part of my work, but I'm more like, uh, I do more concept. Uh-huh. And uh, and so, how would you describe yourself? Um, I'm uh, oh la la. This is complicated question. <laughs> um, I'm uh, <laughs> creative. I have tons of idea. I like to. I'm a nerd also. Uh, I'm really into learning new stuff all the time uh, related to the digital and technology. So. Uh, my approach is always to learn and to conceive ideas. And uh, if I have an idea, for example, I try to make it myself. 
even though I don't have the skills, but I learned the skills um, by doing it. So I have a lot of different uh, skill set, but I'm not a, a professional on every skill set, on every skill. And my way is I like to disrupt. Uh, I like to to uh, use techno- new technology to to make new way to to communicate. Wow, that's uh, that's a mouthful. That's yeah. But I I think I guess it makes sense because you know l- let's say this the the first time I saw you right I saw you on the lot twenty forty six fresh yeah. hours. <laughs> And you were in U.S. at the time. Yeah, right? yeah, I remember. And you live in Berlin. Yes. And I think I heard you speak French. Yes, I'm French. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of kind of, uh, how can I say this? It, it appears to be that, you know, uh, you're a woman of many, many places and many ideas. So it makes sense that when you, you know, when you're introducing yourself or describing yourself, you know, you also choose many disciplines at the same time. Yes, that's pretty much true. I'm really um, diverse and I love to experiment with new things. I'm interested with a lot of different things. I, I'm really curious about any kind of topics. So that makes totally sense. And I'm from, I'm from Paris. I grew up in Paris, but I'm Polish from my family. Okay. To get even more deeper, (laughs) and where I grew up in Paris, it uh, it it was a place with a lot of different culture. Um, so this is what I am. And how did you end up in Berlin? Oh, um, so I did my studies in Paris, and I was working a lot also because it's difficult to live there. It's really expensive. Um, and uh, I was freelancing and working on site and Paris is a crowded city and nobody's speaking English there and <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh, That's a yeah fact. and I I needed uh, I, I went I think I went on holiday the first time in my life in Berlin two weeks and it was so fresh so peaceful um, Paris is wild. Paris is a lot of tension yeah. in your shoulders when you live there, uh, when you know everybody there. It's it's a bit uh, too much. I realized that after when I visited Berlin. Then I decided to move and I moved. That's uh, a very interesting observation because I've never been to Berlin. But mm-hmm. after all the things I've I've heard and and you know I've been to Paris a couple of times, I would have guessed Paris is the is the calmer one, and no. Berlin is you know always celebrated to be the tech parties and crazy stuff. And your point of view is very very interesting. Yeah, sure. Like everybody knows that Berlin Berlin is the techno uh, scene, etc., music electronic. But at the same time, it's not like this. At the same time the re- everyday life the regular life the life when you wake up in the morning you go at work you come back you chill in the park this life is so much different there is less people when you go to the shop for example to buy food there is less people you don't queue and be stressed by 
by so many angry Parisian. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I, I know absolutely what you mean. I've been to a yeah. French high school. And yeah, I've seen enough to, to know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty, it's getting pretty stressful. But I love Paris. Huh? I love it. I love it. It's just like the everyday life is tough if you're not rich. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the same about Istanbul, which is mm -hmm. where I'm from. And, um, it's, you know, it's a great place. Like I love it to come yeah. on a holiday here, but I wouldn't want to live here because exactly. it's absolutely insane. Exactly. And, um, you know, speaking of lots, this is like my favorite subject in the whole world, because I think it's one of the freshest, uh, companies, yeah. you know, in a yeah, long time. I agree. So how did you, how did you kind of get mixed up with them? Did you do any design work for them? Oh, no, 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 no. It's a really uh, nice and spontaneous uh, story. Um, I'm always like really spontaneous. So basically, uh, it was last year that I, I discovered, last year or before, I discovered a lot uh, online by looking for references and project and i'm i'm re i really like the project i really i'm really i like the storytelling part i like the the difference it makes if you compare there is no nothing like this there is no project like this i mean at least i don't know yeah. any it's insane yes. yeah it's, yeah and like when you see it but i mean Vadik is a crazy guy, right? Like, Lapka was the same. When you see it the first time, you're like, these guys have lost Oh, really? Uh, actually, it was from Lapka. So, uh, <laughs> it's Lab I really appreciated also Lapka project. And that's how I, I discovered Lot. Now I remember. And, and how did you end up in, in a fresh hour so, with Yamur? Because she, I think, works yeah, exactly. at Lot, right? So, basically, I was in Berlin and I received my fir first package. And I received a, a, a boxer brief for men's. And I was, so I sent an email and I said, <laughs> okay, guys, um, I really appreciate, but I don't think I will be able to use it. So next time, don't, don't put it in my package because it's, it's not worth it. And it's Yamor that replied to me. And, uh, like, and we started a really simple conversation and she asked me, which uh, uh, women underwear do you prefer? And I said, ah, oh, I like this one, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, that's, that was the first contact. And then Yamur was actually in Berlin at this time. And she did uh, Fresh Hours. And I was watching this Fresh Hours. And she said that she was in Berlin or something. So I just contacted her and I said, like, hey, Yamur, um, I heard that you're in Berlin. I'm in Berlin, let's meet, and we met, and we become really, really close friends. Wow, that, yeah, that's an really simple. Story. And, uh, and I like the fact that Lot seems to bring people yes. together, um, maybe without even meaning so, because, I mean, first of all, let me, you know, very quickly explain to people listening what Lot is, because I reckon yeah, that everyone's going to know about it. Uh, Quite simply, it's just a subscription box, um, you know, that you receive every month, but you don't know what you're going to get each month. And they design uh, just, you know, all black essentials. So what I think of it as the idea, the main idea is that you can, 
if you're a user of LOT, you can just get your package every month and you don't have to buy anything else, uh, be it clothing or accessories or personal care items. Do you think that's an accurate yes. description? But uh, they have also a vision uh, to the future. That's the, the, the part I like the most. Is like if you, the project started in 2016 and it's called LOT 2046. Um, and they often uh, talk about like things think long term and that's the the part i really like about this project is that like it's it's a vision for later and long term and they have also the things i like the most is the small conceptual new weird devices that uh they start <laughs> to to um present on the website uh, like this uh, bracelet uh, that can vibrate um, inside of the community and uh, I was talking about this yesterday with a with a friend of mine a designer and we were thinking what are the way today to communicate without the use of your phone or your screen because today everything is about everything is condensed in your phone and your screen and there is other way to communicate um, and uh, yeah. spending your time on your screen also breaks the way to communicate in the real life you're still communicating with people online but you 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 stop communicating by looking at someone or by talking because you're focused on your screen. So I think this kind of devices that you can wear that is not a screen, which is still connected to the internet, you can communicate through a wearable to someone else in the community. And I think this is, this is the, the future. I think we're gonna go into less screen and more connected devices but the most yeah. important thing in any project, I think, is that the human being wants to connect with other human beings. That's why the, the <laughs> community part on this project is really important also. Yeah. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you 100%. Um, <laughs> well, after this uh, yeah. deep discussion... Um, I, I have a question that I ask all of my designer friends because I see that everyone has, like, the answers differ wildly. Um, you know, you said you work at, a, yeah. at an agency, right? It, by your yes. standards, uh, be, being a designer, are you able to kind of create a comfortable living for yourself? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because this is... <laughs> I feel like this is a huge topic, right? And, uh, and, and some people are doing great and some yeah, people no, are doing I think so I'm... great. And it's not like being... Uh... Yeah, I think I'm pretty Sorry. comfortable. I don't need much, you know. I just need a bed, a good bed <laughs> and a good table. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I said by your standard, well. right? So basically, like, are you yeah, happy? Yeah, I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm really happy. Uh, it's just sometimes, you know, you don't sleep enough. <laughs> That's my problem <laughs> because sometimes I'm too much into like 
ideas or doing this and this and this and this and I want to do everything and then I don't sleep enough. That's why the bed is really important. <laughs> if you have a good bed, then you rest well. Yeah, you got to have a comfortable bed. <laughs> I agree completely. And, uh, and sleep is the most important thing of all, right? Um, well, if, uh, let's say, someone is listening and they're just, you know, starting out designing for AR mm -hmm. and experimenting with new ideas, what would be some um, tips that you would give them? My tips are be really, really simple. Don't overload to actions and things to explore and stuff because when, when it's too much you don't want to use it anymore when it's simple and straightforward you understand how it works and you just use it uh, augmented reality is um, for 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 instagram for example is a is a tiny layer of storytelling but the storytelling is made by you, the user so if you give him too much overload of uh, storytelling things he will not have the place for himself to storytell himself because at the end it's about him not about the filter so yeah my advice is like make it simple make it simple and make it bright people has to be able to see <laughs> themselves okay so bright and yeah. simple that's very good advice Exactly. That's very, very good advice. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I think we had a great conversation. Yes, it was great. It was really interesting. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same. Yeah, and like, thank you so much for taking the time. All of these questions that I asked, like, I wanted to know so bad. And, uh, and I can't wait to see more filters. I will tell by you. you. No problem. <laughs> We are back at the studio. Multiple studios. Many, many studios. International, International balling. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Daniel right now is in uh, Italy and I'm in uh, Turkey. Um, and at the time of recording, Johanna was in uh, Berlin. So this is a fairly international podcast. Yes. And I think the reason for that simply is because I think when we wait to be in the same place with people, it's just a huge limit to so many cool people that we can speak with. And I just rather have the conversation uh, rather than just wait to be in the same place. For sure. I do, I do um, think though that not being in, in uh, close proximity does um, maybe take away something from, from the interview. I mean, it's, it's just different, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, whenever it's possible to do it face to face, it is much more preferred, but I feel like uh, us being both uh, remote designers, maybe we do have to, you know, somewhat work with this because that's how we work 90% of the time anyways. Yes. Uh, like we Skype with people and, uh, and just do everything like from, the, uh, from within the screen. But I mean, now that we're going to be uh, international pop stars, we could just get a private jet and fly everyone out to wherever we are. Right. Yeah, one step at a time. 
Yeah. Uh, first, we buy the jet. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> uh, that is the step one. So, um, I mean, I've learned a lot um, because I, I, I was always curious about uh, how people design these filters and the, and the AR and like the real-time rendering. And I, I'm very happy that she went into a lot of detail. Yes, um, for sure. I, I think that most fields, you usually have um, a bit of a mysticism um, uh, that's, that involves them and, and people don't really understand how to do it. So they think it's probably super complex. But I'm sure that, that anyone who has mm, even like just mild uh, experience with computers could probably download Spark AR and, and start doing uh, these filters. It could, it could really blow up like very soon. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that as well. But maybe we, we think that way because Johanna has been very, very nice <laughs> and humble. <laughs> so she's yeah. like, yeah, anyone can code it. It's okay. You just ask a friend. Sure, and yeah. within my mind, I was like, which friend? <laughs> sure, sure. I, I, I always have this, uh, this thought, for example, if you're showing off um, uh, like a computer render to someone who, who doesn't understand how, how renderings work because they, they they're just they just don't work in the same field they'll look at they look at you and they'll be like you're a wizard how did you do this yes no man just drag and drop it's it's cool you know whatever <laughs> yeah just a bitmap and you know uh, you make yeah. a bump map and all this stuff uh, so, so so maybe spark ar is 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 just drag and drop who knows <laughs> who knows or maybe it's just hardcore coding and we'll, we're just uh, i feel like we're you know what i want to experiment with it so um, I'm going to try to see if it's open for download and then we can yeah. see how easy it is to make a filter. But I feel yeah. like, um, to be honest with you, I think she is uh, just being very, very humble about how easy this process was for her. Yeah. And I really do think that uh, it's not as easy as she makes it sound, which is why she's so cool. Yeah, of course. The because the best people always... Easy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they always make it seem so easy, right? Like you, you watch... Uh, you watch like Elvis and you're like, yeah, man, I can just sing and dance like that. Yeah. <laughs> Until you try. Exactly. Well, I think this is it uh, on this episode from us. Yes. Uh, we're looking forward to our next interview. Oh, and absolutely. stay tuned. Yeah. Have a great day. And uh, we hope that you create something that you're proud of today. Yeah. Good luck. Good night and good luck. Hello. 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 Can you trim that directly from Anchor? Yes. Nice. This is too much noise. Well, hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Design Gossip. His very erotic voice, yeah? <laughs> I like. Congratulations. <laughs> Such a good video. Hi everyone, this is Design Gossip. We're here with Mert and myself, Daniel. And this is the weekly news section, right before we interview our guest for today, yes. Henry Drake, a artist who switched away from the field of pharmacology and neuroscience. So Mert, what, is, um, what have you discovered this okay. week? So th the first thing is very small, but a tiny update. So some of the Tesla cars got yeah. an update with something called a dog mode, where okay. if you want to leave your dog in the car 
and you don't want the dog to die. <laughs> you just turn on the dog mode, yeah. and the AC stays on uh, while like you know you're doing your thing. And there's yeah. also like in the giant screen inside the car, there's the thing that says like you know don't worry like my owner knows I'm here and like it's gonna come back in a few seconds kind of thing. So if there are people passing by who are worried about the dog, yeah, they can actually. That's uh, amazing. You know. But oddly enough, they don't have a cat mode. It is named the dog mode, so you you could use it for a cat. That's a bit catist, I think. Yeah, you know? it's it's a bit disappointing to say the least. It's cataphobic. <laughs> what do you have? So um, today, or yeah, recently, I I discovered uh, a new material called air carbon. Okay. Um, it's made by a company called New Light Technologies. <laughs> and apparently it's plastic that's made from carbon sequestration. Wow. Okay. So they, what does it do? They, they suck in air, right? And they, they filter out carbon and methane. Okay. And then they make plastic out <gasps> of it. Like they polymerize it with oxygen and hydrogen. That's very cool. No idea how it works, right? <laughs> and, and I think, and I tried to read a bit on the website and it gives like a very uh, superficial kind of explanation for it. I'm uh-huh. guessing because they don't want to explain exactly how it works. Yeah. That would be... Uh, not very beneficial for them, probably. Uh, like, where but, can you use it? So uh, they say that you can uh, you can thermoform it, like blow film, uh, injection molding, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it has uh, similar properties to um, to TPA or polypropylene, that kind but of stuff. Right? Is it more environmentally friendly? It is, uh, because it's carbon negative. Uh, what? And in fact, the um, the NSF or National Science Foundation asked true cost which is um uh, like an evaluation kind of company right uh-huh. to to make uh, an analysis of the uh, carbon footprint and environmental cost of of uh, air carbon and apparently taking in um transportation and production and all all these um uh these um factors factors like in in mind it is a carbon negative product wow so basically like when you use it you're actually using less carbon so like you're you're sorry no you're not you're you're producing more oxygen you're, kind you're, of thing no you're just you're using something that takes carbon out of the atmosphere right that's amazing e- even <laughs> e- even taking into account all the other processes of that's transportation amazing and that is very cool um and uh and i would love to see like if anyone has been able to to commercialize a product with it, yes, we should maybe do something with it. Like we should yeah. combine this with Vanto Black, with uh, <laughs> exactly, and everything will make sense. Yeah, and Anish Kapoor will be very mad, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know if you heard, but uh, there was the trial of El Chapo Guzman, the notorious uh, drug yeah. kingpin, and uh, obviously he was found uh, he was found guilty of all counts, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's gonna go to jail for a long time. Yeah. And I was very interested to find out which jail he was going to go to. Yeah. Because he's been able to break out of everything. Of course. And I'm, uh, I'm notoriously, you know, following his, his art. <laughs> his art. <laughs> his art of, of escaping. And uh, we, we don't know yet, but they say he's probably going to go to a place called ADX, uh, Correctional Facility, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's in Arizona. And uh, it's called the Alcatraz of the Rockies. And it is a supermax prison. Okay. And what that means is it's designed in a way to just like, it's better if you die. It's horrible. 
Um, so I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you some details. Um, you're in solitary confinement, so mm-hmm. you're like your own room, 23 hours a day. Good Lord. <laughs> like at any given point, you don't see the sky. Mm-hmm. And you have a four inch by four inch window that looks at like another wall or something. Like you don't see the nature at all. And it's horrible, but it's also very interesting because like they only like there's like 400 people in this prison, mm-hmm. and I looked at the list and it's like these are the people you don't want to fuck with. Like this is the worst of the worst. Like the Unabomber is there, right? Uh, the fucking shoe bomber is there. Like every like like people who are like who cannot be detained unless and um, it has a special design where at any given point none of the um, prisoners see any other prisoner. Whoa, and wow. the reason they're in uh, you know solitary confinement like 23 hours a day so what's the other hour you may ask it's called the exercise hour and it sounds kind of cool but it's not <laughs> it's a specifically designed area it's like a, they call it an empty concrete pool it's just a concrete room mm-hmm. it's the only hour during the day where they can see the sky and the sky is the only thing they can see mm-hmm. and they're alone in that room and these people are so dangerous that the entire system was designed so that they could be handcuffed at any given moment within their room. So, like, they're never within the guard's distance when they're, like, not cuffed and chained. And I found that very interesting, you know, from a design perspective. Because it's very sad, but at the same yeah. time, yeah. like, this is uh, one of the only prisons in the world where no one has ever escaped from. Yeah. And I looked at the design and I was like, you know, El Chapo, is challenge accepted? <laughs> Are you gonna... <laughs> because, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? Like, it's, you know, obviously this is a very sad subject, but at the same time, I, found it, I find it uh, very, very uh, interesting that, uh, you know, they're designed so that no human can escape. It's true, yeah. They, there is... Yeah, like, they had to have a meeting and have, like, a brainstorming about, like, how to create solutions for, for like, yeah, detaining people. So it is... Yeah, and like, hey, of, like, this is a guy who built like a motorcycle road underneath a prison. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, that was apparently solar powered. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so, this is a guy who has style, you know. Uh, so, so, we'll see if, um, if all this, um, let's say, prison design is going to be able to hold him back. Wow. wow. So, not directly design related, but I think it's a, it's a very interesting subject to be yeah. following. It is interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah, and actually, talking about like brainstorming and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if you've heard of what a design sprint is. Uh, is this like an agile thing? No? no sense. Okay, carry on. Okay, uh, so it was like a um, um, creative solution, um, uh, solution finding sort of process designed by Jake Knapp, right? Uh-huh. And it's a, it's a five-day kind of workshop almost where... Um, people who are in charge of, of trying to solve the problem, right? Yeah. Like meet up in, in a room and and there's like a series of mapping out problems and everything. Like I'm not going to get into the details. Like uh-huh. people can just uh, Google it. Uh, Google it. Um, in fact, uh, if you go on YouTube and you uh, search for AJ and Smart, they lead um, lessons on how to, um, how to make design sprints. So you can check it out. It's very interesting and it's a, it's a very cool... Um, method to find solutions and I was wondering if any like policymakers 
or like yeah like in the <laughs> government they use like start startupy kind of like problem solving methods you know like if if like macron from france went like okay guys this time i am a different president and i want to make design sprints and like <laughs> He gets the, the like in, in a room with people, there's like beanie bags and like coffee pots and they try to sort of like, yeah, man, how can we find solutions, testing out the product, you know? And I was wondering if anyone has ever tried to do that in a government. I feel like if anyone is going to do it, Michael is going to be the one. Though. <laughs> he's, <laughs> like, the guy, yeah. he's the most likely one uh, with Justin Trudeau or him. Uh, yeah, Justin Trudeau definitely <laughs> would do. He has been back. Design yeah, sprints. You, you can tell. To, to create policy but I think yeah like um, there's a methodology methodology called uh, agile mm-hmm. for software development mm-hmm. and I know that they do sprints and yeah. like this like sprint based working right so you have like a fixed period of time yeah. where you know every day you meet up and like there's different kind of methodologies right exactly like every day you, you go through a different um, part of the project right there's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, brainstorming and there's testing and this kind of stuff yeah yeah, yeah it's and, probably very similar I'm guessing yeah, and, and it's actually one of the, the reasons that uh, most um, apps get updated like every two weeks because yes. the software development team has like a two-week sprint. Mm-hmm. So they start like, and then they fix the bugs and then like when that's done, they start again. Yeah. So that's why you get like, um, you know, ongoing updates. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, personally, I'm not a fan of uh, sprints in design. No? I feel, like, I feel like, like I worked in a company before mm-hmm. who, who, tried to use sprints for design as well because mm-hmm. it was working for the software development team. Yeah. But what I found was that uh, like design is a creative process and it, like as much as you can systemize it, mm-hmm. if you really push it, nothing cool comes out in a way because everything mm. is so structured. You're like, yeah, this is, you know, I'm going to like you do two hours of inspiration, two hours of like drawing and then two hours of like wireframing. And when you like come to the end product, it's not as elegant as I, I find it's not as elegant as like the organic flow of the time, like the, the designs that uh, come from a more organic working mm. setup because it's not coding, you know, it's not like, okay, I'm going to code for two hours and then I'm done. Yeah. But I mean, creativity, the, there is a way of unlocking creativity in the brain. Like, it's not just like, um, like I, th- I think it's wrong to think that there are like creative people and that there are like non-creative people. Like I'm th- not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying that like, um, like we should like my point of view at least what works for me is that like i need to allow time mm-hmm. for my brain to to figure it out and i can't dictate it like to the minute yeah yeah i guess but yeah i, I think a design sprint is a very good solution for um, it it is a way a um a mechanization of creativity right so like you will probably come to a solution with uh, with a design sprint but maybe like in the future, you're going to go like, oh, damn, like I could have had that, uh, that idea during that time. Yeah. And maybe like you didn't, you just didn't have it at that point. And maybe that idea is better. But yeah, like, I mean, th- there is like the divine inspiration where you just kind of like, like it just dawns on you at some point and you're like, oh, amazing. And yeah, sure. Like a great idea can come from it. But I think a design sprint is a very nice way. If you, if you have a client with a deadline and everything, it's probably the best way of going through through like finding a a solution to a problem i see yeah yeah. i mean it's the approach of like you know you cannot do perfectionism when it's when it's a job like you have to work with what you have so something is better than nothing yeah and i agree with that but i also feel that if you know if someone like if you're a part of a team that already can meet deadlines Mm -hmm. and you're happy with your flow 
you may find you should try it but you may find that the design spirit can make you miserable yeah of course i mean like everyone has their has their own way of working you know especially if you're using jira by atlassian because fuck jira okay this is the worst piece of program ever created it is absolutely horrible i know some people who like do development are gonna love it you know what you can love it but i fucking hate it it's the worst thing ever it has killed me like at some point in our agile um, <laughs> you know the trial thingy like i was spending more time on jira than designing <laughs> it was the worst like it was the least user-friendly thing i've ever tried and now they're, they're trying to fix it with like nice little modern design it's not happening just give up okay just close up shop you know throw everything to the trash i'm very sorry if i offended you but you should be <laughs> offended and uh, you should just make a product that people are gonna find joy in like asana which the is also not saying much because asana is also shit but it's just like so much better than jira okay i'm done Okay, would you like a chamomile just to chill out, you know? I'm done. My rent is over. You know what? Ditto to Illustrator. You guys yeah, should also. prioritize. Yeah, we should make a list of like all the uh, all the teams who should reconsider their decisions. There you go. I'm uh, sorry, but like having like bad text editing options and like having the flare tool being more easily accessible than the text ed editing options is not okay. <laughs> who like... needs a flare tool? <laughs> I feel like we should do like a whole other podcast of us ranting. <laughs> like like each program gets like a whole 40 minute rant. There you because go. Yeah. Like even like I love sketch, but I could rant 40 minutes for sure. Yeah, yeah, it. there are definitely some things on sketch that also need. But I mean, man, which like, is my favorite program. Yeah, cre creating software is not easy. So like still like kudos to to anyone who's working on this kind of stuff, you know, it's except illustrator. Cool. In Jira, except illustrator. <laughs> Okay, let's let's uh, let's go to the interview. Yeah, let's move on to the interview. Cut. Nice. Yes. Yes. Okay, I think. Uh... <laughs> All right. Oh my! Oh my! That was a. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because we were back in the house studio. <laughs> that was a very good interview very interesting points yeah i definitely think it was very nice i mean uh it is art so maybe some people are gonna think that man art and design you know really mix and i know this is like a design newsletter but i think it was very interesting to see um how coming from a different field can really help you to kind of propel yourself in a creative uh industry yeah yeah i enjoyed his clarity Yes. And, and, you know, that may be carried over from a more scientific background. Like yeah. It was very clear on his, on his perspective of things. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, yeah, I think the, the part about, you know, like the popularization and, let's say, Instagramization mm -hmm. of art is very interesting. Because, like, this is a new way of expressing yourself, right? Yeah. And, um, like, I... I enjoyed the comparisons where, you know, like years ago, people were all like reading the newspaper. Now they're all looking at their phones. So the medium changed, but the human behavior doesn't really change. True. And, uh, but at the same time, I also feel like sometimes you can see that um, only, only trying to make it more popular can take away a bit from the art. And, and also like these obscene prices and all this stuff are really, really, really far away from the, from the artist. I think that was a very, very good point. Mm-hmm. 
where you know like he said like like the artist like died young and uh, and poor and now like the painting goes for like 200 million is just it's ridiculous and uh, it's kind of ironic yeah <laughs> yeah but I mean and anywhere where where people find value where they it becomes a commodity you know yeah so yeah and I have nothing wrong with like uh, like finding a style right and then sort of exploiting that niche because everyone wants to own a piece of you. So like, why not give it to them? I mean, yeah. like it's a very Santa point of view, Santa point of view. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, I don't think that necessarily like, it doesn't have to be unique in a way, uh, to, to, to have value. But at the same time, like the talk about, um, the democratization of art, like the new forms, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like a YouTube video. Um, or something where you know you can't really sell it and everyone can experience it like I think that's beautiful and I think we're living in a time and we talk about this with you like all the time uh, just like you know like this is the only time in the history of mankind I think where you know for example like more money does not equal better so imagine like you get uh, like an iPhone 10s or whatever right mm -hmm. or uh, a Google Pixel 3 like for like a thousand bucks there's nothing better like there's nothing objectively but that's yes. as high as you can go yeah. and that's a price that most working people can afford if they wanted to mm -hmm. and that's ridiculous like even if you're you know the queen of england and you want to pay one million for a phone like you can get a bedazzled phone but you can't get a better phone of course yeah. and and just like that the, the, i think the same thing is happening to art where, you know, before you could, if you had a lot of money, you could just commission an artist to live in your, you know, palace and uh, get the best painting. You would be the only one to look at it. But more and more, you know, if you have a computer, that's it. You have access to best art, all the art. Yeah. And, um, and, nobody, and after that point, no matter how much you pay, like you're not going to get something better. I think that's, that's beautiful and that's very unique of, of our times. I, I definitely think like many people many people will say that art is dead and uh, or like that that's kind of um, people are running out of ideas that uh, sensationalism is kind of over now like okay everyone's seen like the the installations of dicks and, and all this kind of stuff right yeah but I definitely think that this trend of experiencing art is really is really m making art much more valuable as as um as an intellectual kind of growth tool yeah and and many artists um like olafur ellison are kind of at the forefront of what art is today where like you just it's a it's an installation where people can can go feel it you know it's not just about man this looks really cool i maybe i i can maybe like buy it and like because in the past um like very very past right in the very past in the, in the extreme past <laughs> yes. art was also a way of documenting um yeah a person you know like you you commissioned a portrait and that was like your legacy yeah like people would know your face because you commissioned the portrait but now it's not like that anymore you can just so, take a selfie yeah you can just take a selfie which is yeah. the new self-portrait exactly um yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's also interesting that, um, you know, we always have this, like, very high regard uh, when anything is called, like, art or, like, same for literature as well, right? 
but I also think that we have to kind of come to terms with the fact that like like let's say like that person who took like uh, like who used the Monet painting as a background liked it mm-hmm. as a background it's a painting and I'm not saying this is the best use of that painting or the best way to appreciate it yeah but like they appreciated like they appreciated the painting in a way that we we did it right they were like wow this is gonna look great with my bag uh, awesome I'll take a photo and I'm out of here and um, like it's not great but it's very interesting to say the least mm-hmm. because at the end of the day it's uh, you know yeah it's either very hyper real or very surreal depiction of of the world of, of our times yeah yeah so I think it's an interesting uh, way, way to look at it where you know even if people just want to take a selfie with it like they want to document themselves with that artwork it's I don't know mm-hmm. it's uh, I wouldn't just bash them immediately is all I'm saying even though when I see it in person I cringe a little bit too yeah yeah and it's not a thing it's not a generational thing yeah, yeah, that's what it's, I'm saying. Like, everyone was doing the same thing, just with their own technology. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, before that it was like, hey, like, you know, uh, take a photo of me with this. Like, you remember yeah, the tourist like, photos? Like, there, with there, there, there might have been a, like, this sort of mentality, but expressed in a way that we wouldn't be able to even imagine nowadays, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like having a picture taken with the, with the pizza tower. Mm-hmm. And you know you're like, like people like put their hands next to it and all this stuff. Yes. Like I've done it when I was there. I of was like, this is great. Of course I'm gonna. You do have it. to do it. And <laughs> I, I feel like it's kind of great because you, like I think the main idea there is that like you know, hey, I'm in the same place as this artwork, like like for reals. And then you document it with like the technology that you have. Yes. And uh, and not everyone is doing it for the poetic side of it, but I think it's a poetic thing in the end, right? Yeah. It would be really interesting. If, uh, I don't know, maybe like a new civilization in like thousands of years, they happen to find an archive of people holding up the Pisa Tower. <laughs> and like, may- maybe they'll be like, oh my God, they had superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> or or they'll be like, this uh, Homo sapiens sapiens uh, civilization really appreciated visual illusions you know (laughs) (laughs) which we do (laughs) we absolutely do and uh and it's sort of a you know ritualistic religious activity yeah it's great man like it's just it's very communal in a way that like everyone is the thing that brings us together yeah like it brings us together like many people have that picture with the pizza tower it's great yeah exactly i find that beautiful (laughs) shared experience (laughs) well this is all we have for this episode we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Once again, I'm Bert. I'm Daniel. And uh, by the way, we're we're probably gonna put some um, links in the description. <laughs> we'll we'll publish a, a medium article with uh, a few of uh, Henry's works and um, possible future exhibitions that you might be able to check out and visit. Oh so, my God! Will we? So go check that, it out. That sounds yeah. amazing. We just made work for ourselves. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna check that out. And- <laughs> you played yourself. <laughs> I'm gonna check that out as well. For sure. Yeah, I think that's it.